Welcome to the Arkansas Inc. podcast, where we discuss the latest topics and trends in economic development with subject matter experts and influencers from across the nation and around the world. And we are live for another episode of the Startup Junkies podcast. This is Michael Eisman, and we left Jeff Amrine at home, but we have two Jeffs with us today. We have Jeff Standridge and Jeff Moore, and also Clark Cogbill. So we are here at the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. We're going to be talking about the ADC and then also some of the programs that we work with the ADC on at Startup Junkie. And this is going to be a simul podcast. And we're not sure if this has ever been done before, but I think it's all going to work out. So this is going to be going out on the Arkansas Inc. <laughs> podcast and the Startup Junkies podcast. Uh, we'll start by talking about the ADC, kind of learning a little bit more about all the different programs that you work on, and then turn the corner and talk about the programs that Conductor and Startup Junkie have worked on with you too, and maybe even do a book signing before it's all over <laughs> with Jeff. I think we decided that this. This was the very first simul podcast in the history of the world. We decided, which means that's right. It, yeah, it's true. It is. Yeah. It and there is some first. level of concern that we may break the internet. Or create a, a crack in the space-time continuum yeah. and be sucked out right. into it. But we're risk takers, right? <laughs> so, Jeff Moore, could you start by sharing a little bit about your role here at the ADC? And then also, a lot of people's perception of the ADC is maybe that you're creating jobs in Arkansas by recruiting companies and employers in from elsewhere. But there's a lot more the ADC. Does. So could you just start by kind of talking about your role here and also what the AEDC does? Yeah, certainly. It's just great to be here. Really crazy, rainy day, but just a great day to be in the state of Arkansas. So I work here at Arkansas Economic Development Commission as the Executive Vice President of Marketing Communications. So predominantly, my job is to tell a story of what we're doing in the state. And so I think, Michael, kind of when you ask that question, I mean, you probably ask any of those on the executive team the question. They would give you the same rote or statement on the web or what we write on the wall here, you know, in terms of mission. But our official mission is to create economic opportunity and attract higher paying jobs and expand and diversify the state and local economies. And that includes income and investment, domestic investment and then foreign direct investment as well by recruiting companies from outside the United States to our state. But I think more importantly, sometimes that can get lost, this idea of recruitment, that it's all about getting businesses into the state. And when, in truth, majority, 80% or better of our announcements and our projects each year are actually expanding businesses within the state. And so we do a great deal of work just to facilitate and nurture and help and grow. And and yes, that involves funding and incentives, but it also involves a lot of ancillary programs and divisions within the Arkansas Economic Development Commission, or AEDC, as it's referred to by acronym. And that includes science and technology, which Jeff Standridge sits on the board for science and technology. That involves rural services and what we do for our rural communities. That involves existing business resource division and some ways that we're helping businesses to grow, become more efficient so that they can expand and add jobs, but also higher paying jobs. Jeff, let me interrupt if I can. Some people may not know, you also have some actual consultants on staff here at the AEDC who work with, whether it's manufacturing companies or family-owned companies or what have you, and small and medium businesses to actually bring programs into those companies to help them figure out how to be more efficient, more effective, more successful. Yeah, Manufacturing Solutions is a really good example. That was one of the recent of the efficiencies the governor moved some bits and pieces around, quote-unquote, agencies into other agencies and consolidated before his more recent overhaul that's more transformative in a mass way. But one of those was Manufacturing Solutions, which was Arkansas Manufacturing Solutions. And they work directly with industry and the 
state through Six Sigma, Lean. They do a lot of work with Kata, and Toyota Kata has been a really big program that they've found a lot of success with. Businesses are finding ways to become more efficient, and that allows those businesses to expand and grow. So when you think about economic development, a lot of times it's they call it BRE, business retention and expansion. And if you add recruitment on there, it's like Barrer, B-R-E-R. <laughs> Government's always trying to go up with an acronym. But but the, the really big part of that, the BRE, is business retention and expansion. And the recruitment is also a big part of that, working with consultants and influencers that are helping businesses decide how to consolidate and move business into the state. And one other division I think we should mention as part of AEDC is the Minority and Women-Owned Business mm. Enterprise Division, yep. which has recently expanded its title to include women-owned businesses, which is important. Fantastic. So talk a little bit maybe about how you support entrepreneurs. Can we transition into maybe talk in that regard? Well, you know, when you begin to think about your existing business and expanding and helping your existing businesses, now a big part of that is entrepreneurial activity, startups, people with ideas, disruptive technologies and commercialization and tech transfer. And you have all of these things going on within the state. And I think like most states, Arkansas realizes that this is a big part of of what we're doing, not just the startup community and not just entrepreneurial early stage business startups, but also the talent that's involved with that and the ability to share talent because tech and all of the jobs that these kinds of startup communities create is so relevant to industry as a whole. Yeah, and the way we look at it with Startup Junkies is kind of a new form of economic development or a new branch of economic development where instead of BRNE, Yeah, retention yeah, and expansion. Yeah, retention and expansion. It's if you can create that environment where new startups can grow and create new jobs, create new tax revenue, create uh, kind of a, an ecosystem around it, mm-hmm. then it's more sustainable for a region. So now it's Barrerk. Barrerk. Business, retention, expansion, reloca- relocation, and creation. There, there we go. go. I was about yeah. to say that it sounded French. Barrer. Yeah. <laughs> we could get Marshall Trejo to come help us pronounce that. All right. I like it. Yeah. Well, Barrer. Jeff Standridge, you're very much involved on the committee level on some of these entrepreneurial programs. Could you share some of the different incentives and programs that the ADC has for entrepreneurs in Arkansas? Sure. Jeff mentioned a few moments ago with some of the consolidations. One of the consolidations that occurred was ASTA, the Arkansas Science and Technology Authority was integrated into the AEDC, and that board became the Board of Science and Technology, which I have the privilege of serving as vice chair of that board with a number of great folks. And so we, I guess I should say, administer a number of science and technology programs to stimulate new technology. So there are a couple of grant programs, one we call the TTAG, which is about technology transfer, and it's a matching grant program that can almost serve as a phase zero to an SBIR grant, a Small Business Innovation Research Grant. We also have what we call the Technology Development Program, which is kind of a validation grant to help get technology ready for commercialization. And that can be up to $100,000 mm-hmm. in terms of the fund there. Uh, a number of other more investment types of programs where they're royalty-based, whether it's seed capital investment program, tax credits for research and development, where all of the cost of a company, a technology company that's doing a lot of R&D, they can actually get 33 and a third percent tax credits on that R&D cost. We have some in-house tax credits that we do ourselves. 
We also have a matching grant program for the SBIR. So if someone's gotten a phase one SBIR or a phase two SBIR, that shows us that there has been some validation of their technology at the federal level. And we want to be able to support those types of technologies and retain them in the state of Arkansas. So we have a matching grant program that we look at. And about every month when we meet, we have one or two of either the technology development program applications or perhaps an SBIR grant. Uh, One of the things where, uh, of course, wearing my other hat, which I share with you, Michael, is the Accelerator Grant Program. And there's up to $250,000 for Accelerator programs, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. What we do with the 10X, you do with Fuel, what the FinTech Health Innovator and those folks do. And I had the opportunity to tell Governor Hutchison just this past week about some of the impacts that we're having with that kind of grant funding. So it's really, really cool. One other thing that I think I should mention as well is there's also the Equity Investment tax credits. Mm -hmm. And so for companies that are raising money and seeking investors, there's an opportunity to apply for a pool of funding that's administered in the form of tax credits, state tax credits. And both as an investor or primarily as an investor, those are very, very appealing. When I know that if my fund's going to put $100,000 into a company in Arkansas that's raising capital, and I know that my fund's going to get a 33 and a third percent tax credit back on that, that we can either sell at a slight discount or we can distribute back to our investors. That's a huge enticement, if you will, uh, for a lot of these companies that are raising money. Yeah, I think one company that really comes to mind is Aptigy, who's utilized Mm -hmm. the ITC and been really effective in helping do just what Jeff kind of mentioned there, kind of proofs in the pudding. Yeah, they've realized some great exactly. success with the ITC. Jeff Amrine talked about that program a number of times. It doesn't make a bad deal good because it'd still be a 66% sure. loss if it was a bad deal, but it makes a good deal pretty great. It does. A I 33% mean, return uh, right away. Absolutely. And all of the investors have the responsibility of doing the due diligence and looking at the deals. And, and I think we're in a unique role because we get to see a lot of those deals before they become deal flow mm-hmm. as entrepreneurial support organizations. But if you've got a good deal, it can make a good deal fantastic. And I think that's pervasive outside of just the entrepreneurial and innovation in the state and these startups, but I think that's pervasive of our agency and especially from Mike Preston on down is that that's the mentality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes incentives are seen in various and sundry places. You'll see critique about certain whether they be statutory or discretionary incentives, but the mindset and the motive here is exactly what you said, Michael. It can't make a bad deal good, but it can make a good deal great. And well, and it also is we sit on that kind of the process for this Board of Science and Technologies. We also have a commercialization committee that actually reviews all of these applications and makes recommendations back to the board. But we're constantly challenging each other at the committee is, is this going to create jobs in the state of Arkansas? Is this going to create tax revenues for the state of Arkansas? And so as an investor, I now know, and and I didn't know this before sitting on the board of science and technology, but as an investor as well and and a fund manager, I know that if the state of Arkansas has awarded a technology development program grant, or if it has awarded uh, equity investment tax credits, there's been some degree of review and validation of the technology or of the business model or what have you. If they go on to get an SBIR, then there's been an additional degree of validation. So part of determining whether a deal is good or not is the due diligence and those things play into Cost benefit diligence. analysis, yeah. yeah, most certainly. Just to back up a little bit, I think part of the role that we play in the state, you guys are really involved and down in the weeds. I mean, you're also at a higher level as well. But as a state, as we promote entrepreneurial activity in the state and startups, 
I think it stems out of our strategy. And I can validate it and show you just here. You can't see this in the podcast, but (laughs) goal one is business formation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a big part of what we do because of uh, some of the things we've talked about. But from my perspective, marketing communications, our job, the, the fifth goal is to tell the Arkansas story. And so we're telling all of these stories, whether they be about competitiveness and site readiness, whether they be about workforce and talent, the ability to provide an adequate talent pipeline of talent. But to tell the story about what we're doing in the state involves a lot of the very things that you guys do on a daily basis. And we kind of feel ourselves to be kind of a conduit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a conduit to tell the story of what's going on in the state. And we're kind of talking a lot about grants. And so that ends up being one part. I have four pillars mm-hmm. that I kind of think about as we try to tell the story of entrepreneurship and innovation. And that is support and accessibility, which you guys are very much involved in, and how readily available it is to find support and the help you need, the mentorship. The cost of doing business is the second pillar that makes our state very advantageous for early stage business growth and also the talent available. We've kind of mentioned that in passing a little bit and how the talent is so transferable and easily found in our state. And then finally, what we've been talking about a lot here is grants and incentives. And so those are kind of the four things that I try to do from AEDC standpoint for the state and for what you guys are doing on the ground to tell a story. Well, before we turn the corner and talk about some of those programs we're doing on the ground, do you have any stories or any, anything that the ADC has been a part of, whether it's at the small business or large business, that's just like a rallying cry story that you love to tell about the ADC and their role in the business community here or something that might shock people? Any, any stories that, that you really like to tell about the ADC and the work? I know I didn't prepare you for this one, but if there's any awesome stories that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear them. Well, this is Clark. It's so great. A couple of examples come to mind, or one example, Conifex, a Canadian mm-hmm. timber company, expanded here last year mm-hmm. and now occupy a sawmill that was previously just abandoned. And some of the same people who were laid off years before are coming back to work. Mm-hmm. And so Canada has had some trouble with their timber crop due to bug infestation and other things, and they're looking to the southeastern United States. And so we're right in the heart of the wood basket. But what was so great about that is that some of the people who lost their jobs years before were able to come back to work. Wow. That's awesome. Clark, we didn't really talk about your role with the AEDC. Won't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I'm part of Jeff Moore's team. I'm director of digital marketing here at AEDC. And my strategy is the same that Jeff mentioned. I'm just a part of that strategy to tell the Arkansas story. Mm -hmm. We want to do that through digital channels, through our website, through social media, through digital media. And really what we try to do, and I love my job, is create content Mm -hmm. such as this podcast Mm -hmm. or a, a new food and beverage report that we're working on, infographics. We have a person on our team Yang Lo Branch, who has a PhD in GIS and mapping. She's part of the marketing team. She's creating maps that show all kinds of things all over the state, anything you want to know, whether it be infrastructure, institutions of higher learning, an interactive map where you can layer things on, such as interstates and navigable waterways, employment. And so we're creating content that is our key is let's create content that's valuable to our audience. Mm-hmm. 
um, we don't want to talk to ourselves. We want to create information that is helpful for a site selection consultant or for an executive who's looking for that next expansion, whether it be they're already in the state and they're evaluating expanding again in the state or expanding to the state. So we're trying to add value and position ourselves as a subject matter experts on the things where we really are, like timber, food and beverage, tech and startup, mm-hmm. aerospace and defense and things like that. We tell that story through digital channels and target. If we know who we're talking to and we feel like we have the right message, we think we can get that in front of them. Yeah, the coolest thing I think that I was able to witness in my third year, so I'm going to my fourth year now, is we try every year to travel with the governor to New York and visit all the media outlets. We visit Fox News and CNBC and go around and just let the governor talk about what we're doing from an economic development standpoint in the state. And the first time was extremely fun just to watch the looks on people's faces. But it's always interesting to see how people come to reevaluate or sort of understand where we are as a state and what we're doing from a technological standpoint, especially in light of what you guys do on a daily basis with entrepreneurialism, startup communities and such. But the thing that really the governor's done, I think, that's been the most impressive to me has been the coding initiative Mm -hmm. in the state and mandating coding in every public school and funding it, mm-hmm. which no other state is doing. And so I think Wired Magazine, the headline was, so Arkansas is leading the Learn to Code movement. And so people begin to ask this, and the governor begins to talk about the entrepreneurial ecosystems in these areas and the tech talent and the kids who are now having a chance to not just take one class, but now the numbers are going up in kids taking subsequent two classes, the number of women and minorities who are involved in taking those classes. And so to see them begin to ask questions and, and light up and begin to understand how powerful this state is and how forward and progressive that we are in that respect has been awesome to watch. You know, you know, looking at your third goal in workforce, that really resonates with me. You know, we talk about the things that we're involved in on a regular basis and where we try to make a difference in the ecosystem and talent is one of those. And I'll be honest, when I first started working in the ecosystem, I didn't think about it being a talent development initiative. Let's be real about it. Even established companies want to hire innovative entrepreneurial talent. So the sooner we can begin engaging with students to teach them the disciplines of innovation, which are transferable, by the way, from just about any discipline to another, and we introduce them to coding in the primary schools, we introduce them to innovation and the skills and disciplines of innovation in middle school, junior high, makerspaces, those kinds of things, creativity, and then we bring them into entrepreneurship as they approach the junior high and senior high levels. I mean, that's all part of a talent development initiative, and and I think we're very, very fortunate as a state to have a governor who gets it, and he gets it. You've been listening to the Arkansas Inc. podcast. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. Well, shall we turn the corner? <laughs> All right, now we're to the government part. Hello, yeah. <laughs> my name is Jeff Moore. And I'm here to help. And and for our listeners' benefits, maybe we should get a little introduction of Jeff Standridge and Michael Eisman. So, Jeff, tell us who you are and your role at The Conductor. It all started in a small town in South Arkansas when I was born next to my mother. 
I'm kidding. I was a little joke. I'm always <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we're getting the, uh, a few years in healthcare and then uh, a long history with Axiom Corporation and working internationally. Left two years ago and started working with the conductor, founder of a venture fund called Cadron Creek Capital. And now we're moving into the newer fund called Cadron Capital Partners. So I work as what we call the chief catalyst. And I spend the vast majority of my time with the conductor doing one-on-one coaching, consulting, mentoring, and what have you. And we'll talk a little more about it, but the conductor is a public-private partnership between the University of Central Arkansas and Startup Junkie Consulting. So I'm very, very proud to be a part of that organization. And I am the chief relationship officer at Startup Junkie. We do a lot of the similar things that Conductor does. I came into this role by, actually, my first internship was with the ARC Challenge, which was the first accelerator in the state of Arkansas. And Jeanette Baeza-Collins was the director of that, and Jeff Amrine was the leader of that. And he hired me for this internship. And then at the end of it, he's like, well, you know, this is junior year of college. He just told me, you know, if you got room in your schedule next semester, take my new venture development class. And so I took his class, got to know him pretty well, ended up starting a business out of that called Biobotic Systems, where we licensed a patent from UAMS and worked with a team to write the business plan for it and created a business out of that and got to know Jeff pretty well, really caught the entrepreneurship bug with him and in that class and forming that. And then I worked at Cerner up in Kansas City for a year, which is the largest employer in Kansas City and didn't really have all of those employment attributes that I loved in working with the entrepreneurial community. And so after a year to the day up there, I came back and started working with Jeff and the Startup Junkie team, and have been there for about three and a half years now. We, you know, we'll talk about some of the different aspects we do. I, I really love the creating a culture of entrepreneurship and a lot of the different events and programs that we do are kind of where I spend a lot of my time on, and then some one-on-one consulting with entrepreneurs, and then obviously enjoy talking with people like you on the podcast. <laughs> Before we get into the meaty questions, I mean, I'm just interested hearing your stories, and we'll, we'll ask some of these questions a little later toward the end of our our little session here, but would you say that the primary catalyst for you becoming involved in this community was exposure? Like you were mentioned, you were exposed to Jeff, you know, I'm sure Jeff, you were exposed. Yeah. When I really started getting involved, I was chair of the Conway Chamber in 2013 and knew that about halfway through I was going to get put out to pasture, which is what (laughs) they do with former chambers, chamber chairs rather. It's a joke, and I hope Brad Lacey's not listening because he would take issue with that. But anyway, and, and so I started asking the question. We have three institutions of higher education in Conway, a highly educated workforce, 2,000 Axiom employees at that time, 1,400 Hewlett-Packard employees. Why aren't we spinning out startups to a proportion that would compare with other larger cities that had the same attributes? And uh, we really couldn't find an answer to that. So we just put together a team of folks and spent about seven or eight months just talking to the Jeff Amarines of the world, the Ted's and Mike's over at Innovate Arkansas and the Christian Andersons and the Rich Howes of Anuvo and the Charles Morgans. And, and we really found out what most other people have found out in building entrepreneurial ecosystems is that you need talent. We've talked about that. You need access to guidance and expertise because we know that most startup companies fail because of very preventable reasons but they don't have the money to hire an expert to help them prevent those things. Access to an ecosystem where they can come together and share ideas and share resources and learn and develop. And then finally, access to capital. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we didn't really have any of those things. So we started Cadron Creek Capital out of that 
team and then brokered a relationship, if you will, between Tom Courtway and Jeff Amaran. Tom Courtway was then president of UCA to begin looking at how do we take at that time the seven years of history that they had in Northwest Arkansas and the seven years of success and how could we effectively adapt and port or port and adapt that to Conway, which ultimately became the conductor. But yeah, it was exposure to the ecosystem that if you had asked me in 2013, by November of 2016, will you leave a 20-year career with Axiom and jump into the ecosystem head first? I would have said you're crazy, but mm. I've been doing that. So, Michael, years. for someone who doesn't know this world as well, how would you define an, an ecosystem? If I mentioned that word, someone said, what, what is an what the heck is an ecosystem? This is actually <laughs> a, we spent some time yesterday doing some strategic planning for Startup Junkie Conductor. And one of the parking lot items is we need a better definition of entrepreneurial ecosystem, but I'll take a first stab at it. <laughs> it, it it's kind of what, what Jeff was saying that, you know, there's talent and may have some different words for it, but talent capital are obviously two big drivers of an entrepreneurial ecosystem. No companies are going to move there if there's not talented people in, in capital because it's expensive to uh, grow a company. And then also a culture of entrepreneurship and then some community engagement. So that's those mentors, subject matter experts, but also the large institutions like universities and major corporations that have a lot of the power, a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the resources in a community. If they can look at those startups as kind of like outsource innovation and work with them and, and understand that working with them and building up a startup scene around them will be really additive to the talent pool as well. Those are kind of some of the ways that we look at the ecosystem. I think the you know, ecosystem, you can think of like a rainforest. There's the really big trees and there's also you know, the little critters running around on the ground. It's not something where it can be singular. It's not one person that can own it or one organization that can own it. It's really the collective of all of the interactions and conversations that happen. And there's a lot of different components that need to be in play for it to be you know, a healthy ecosystem. Mm. I think that we play on that entrepreneurial side and the, those four pillars, the ones that we really focus on though. And if you ask me after we finish our parking lot items from strategic planning, I'll have a better definition for you. So, you know, there, there are two aspects of it where I think Arkansas as a state, one aspect where I think we have grown considerably, and that is, let's face it, we are the size as a state of a large metropolitan city or a medium to large metropolitan city. So we don't have the density. Our density is not in a single metropolitan area. It's spread out. There's Northwest Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas, Central Arkansas, et cetera. And early in the days of entrepreneurship, we had these pockets of activity going on, entrepreneurship in Arkansas. And we're starting to see a collaboration now that I think is a huge step forward in the Arkansas ecosystem where whether it's the fintech or the venture center, rather the conductor and startup junkie and health innovator and others beginning to collaborate more and more. I think we'll look back in a few years and say, that was a pivotal moment in the development of the Arkansas mm-hmm. ecosystem. One area where I think we have the opportunity to grow, and, and again, we are seeing major improvements there, is in helping flagship institutions, predominantly employers, certainly universities, but predominantly employers, to understand that building the entrepreneurial ecosystem is a potential talent pool for them. But as Michael said, it's also uh, an opportunity for outsourced R&D or outsourced innovation. Mm -hmm. 
rather than building an innovation and R&D team inside their organizations, they could provide some funding for a small team outside, scrappy team that's trying to, to start a company or explore some technology. So I think we've got some work to do there. And we're seeing with Fuel, which we'll talk about later, they've got a lot of flagship institution. Our relationship with UCA and the conductor is a great indicator of higher education coming into the fold. So very excited about, about the next few years ahead. Do you see that, that there's any of that in the FinTech Accelerator and disruptive technology there in terms of what you're talking about? These scrappy little companies that are starting and creating the ability for FIS to compete, you know, on a global scale. Yeah, I think Wayne, some... uh, Wayne Miller, the new executive director, whom we have a great relationship with and work with him on a regular basis, I think he would say that uh, absolutely you've got FIS is really looking at that fintech accelerator. And one of the reasons they've invested so heavily in time and energy and effort is because they see that as an opportunity to help develop not only talent, but also technology that could give them a competitive edge. Jeff, you did a great job explaining Conductor and the origins of it. I want to give Michael an opportunity to explain Startup Junkie, and there's two entities, so talk a little bit about those entities. Yeah, yeah. And so Startup Junkie, if you'd like the whole 10-year history, we actually had our kind of 10-year anniversary, and that podcast went out just two or three weeks ago. So tune into that one yeah, to get the history. That, and it, okay. We get 40 minutes of the whole history, but it started with <laughs> Jeff Amron. That's the one where I crashed, wasn't yeah, it? You yeah, okay. Jumped on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Jeff Amron formed this 10 years ago, and it was when he was basically doing the technology transfer for the University of Arkansas. And so often if there's an engineer or professor at a university that develops a new technology, they're probably not going to be the entrepreneur that spins out of the university and creates the company. And so he would negotiate those licenses with existing companies and startup companies to commercialize the technology coming out of the university. So that was the origin of it when he realized there wasn't a lot of a support community for the startups or the startup scene in Northwest Arkansas. And it was Innovate Arkansas, Mike and Ted and Tom Dalton, who actually started the relationship there and then the Northwest Arkansas Council. So the two of them started to fund Jeff to start putting some programs together. That's when Natural State Angel Association and some others really were born out of those first initial contracts. And the team has grown. There's been you know new contracts and, and things that we've delivered on. But over the last 10 years, it's been we're going to help build the entrepreneurial community. Usually entrepreneurs are not the greatest customers because they need some support, but they don't have the money to pay for consulting or support. And so if we work with large institutions who believe in this kind of new arm of economic development, they'll fund us to do different programs around consulting events and things to build the entrepreneurial community. And through that, that's more of a nonprofit activity. And so the, non- the Startup Junkie Foundation is the nonprofit um, where the Walton Family Foundation is the primary funder of to build a lot of the community in Northwest okay. Arkansas. Yeah. I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit and then change again. So tell us a little bit about how Conductor and Startup Junkie are working together. Obviously, what's going on in Northwest Arkansas and Fayetteville with mm-hmm. that entrepreneurial ecosystem there. Mm-hmm. And now how you're working together with Jeff Standridge and Conductor and Kim down in mm-hmm. Conway and kind of helping to, I guess, Replicate. I don't know if yep. that's probably the right word. But. Yeah, adapt, replicate, adapt. and adapt, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I wouldn't say that it's a cookie cutter because we're a different city. But effectively, the University of Central Arkansas and the Board of Trustees in August of 2016 really liked the recommendations put forth by Jeff Amaran and his team at Startup Junkie and said, yeah, we want to do something like that in Conway. And so they approved that in August of 2016. And then in January, and when I say approved it, they approved a funding relationship, a contractual relationship as an initial 
initiative out of the president's office. And so we kind of report directly to the president, if you will, in terms of our activities as the chief stakeholder in Conway. But it's through a contract with Startup Junkie. And so Kim and Keaton and Jason and members of the conductor team are actually Startup Junkie employees. Mm-hmm operating it as a second division, if you will, just under the conductor brand. People ask, well, why do you have a different brand? Why is it the conductor? And and I tell them a little bit of a story is that, number one, Conway is a train town. It was a depot, and so that's how it had its formations. Okay. And so the conductor is a little bit of a throwback to that. But there are a couple of other things as well that I like to tell. My dad worked for the predecessor of Entergy, Arkansas Power & Light, APNL. And I learned through interacting with him that conductors transmit energy. Well, that's that's what we want to do with the conductor in Conway. I think about I was a music major for a couple of failed years in college when I found out that the reason I was a music major was because I worked hard, not because I was particularly talented. Different story, maybe a different podcast, but I learned that part two. You're there always you welcome back. There you go. But I learned that a conductor stands in front of a symphony of very disparate voices from an oboe to a tuba and brings them together into a beautiful harmony. That's what we want to do with the conductor and the collaboration. Mm-hmm. But then you think about going back to the train analogy, when a train conductor gets on a train and they begin moving, the literal momentum is almost unstoppable. And so, again, another thing that we want to do with the conductor. So I counted three meanings behind conductor. So it really sounds like a good fit <laughs> yes. for a name. Yeah, no, exactly. And so it's been well thought out. It that's has. It like. has. And, and you didn't and, just come and go, hey, what are we going to do? I don't, you know, conductor that's right. sounds pretty good. That's right. You know, you're welcome. I feel like Jeff is kind of like an artist where a lot of meaning is assigned after something Uh, is complete. (laughs) (laughs) Retro. Busted. I am completely busted. Hmm, What does that look like to you? How do we spin this? Is that what you're saying? Uh, But no, I mean, I think all of those things, all of those analogies work because that's exactly what we want to do. We are Startup Junkie. We're a single team. Mm -hmm. In fact, we get on the phone every week together. Mm -hmm. We spent time Tuesday night and all day Wednesday yesterday Mm -hmm. talking about what does the future look like for our role in the Arkansas uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem? And when I say our, I'm talking about Kim Lane, CEO of The Conductor, to Haley Allgood, Executive Director of the Startup Junkie Foundation, to all of the Michael and Jeff and Brad and the whole team. How do we move this ecosystem forward? Michael, how has this worked to help accomplish the critical pieces of an entrepreneurial ecosystem that you just kind of defined in terms of talent? capital mm-hmm. those so an ecosystem isn't something that we even you know our three teams combined can really be the ecosystem it's more of the different programs and different like i guess where we have carved out our niche in it the fuel accelerator is one thing that is really big for both pulling in the large corporations and also building up the talent and bringing in startups from outside of arkansas i, I guess that's one of them the Talent piece would be like nowhere developers. That's something that we've partnered with Supply PyCon and put together a conference with Dan Sanker. Yeah, Yeah. Dan Sanker Mm -hmm, and his mm -hmm. team uh, and put together a conference with over 300 different developers coming in, learning from people from MailChimp, from Google, and then also people, technologists here from Northwest Arkansas. I guess the capital component, Natural State Angel Association, has been something that's been bringing around the bringing the angel investors in Northwest Arkansas together for I think seven years now and. 
then also different funds like the Tonic Fund, Cadron Capital Partners, and and others to kind of fill that that talent gap or the uh, capital gap. The, there's different programs kind of in those different pieces, but it's really all back to you know what can we do to build talent, capital, corporate engagement, and community engagement, and then create a culture of entrepreneurship. That's kind of the measuring yeah. stick we use, you know. Yeah. And, and talent development is, as we've all mentioned here, not only a big goal of the AEDC, it's a huge goal of ours as well, mm-hmm. you know, just collectively. One thing that's fascinating to me, we referenced earlier some of the uh, accelerators, the VC FinTech Accelerator. Mm-hmm. That's a very competitive program. I think they interview hundreds of people. It's grown. They take 10 each year. Mm-hmm. I called Brett Amarine one time because one of my coworkers has a son who is a student at the University of Arkansas, and he has an idea for a business and an app, and that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. And I called Brett and I said, where would he go from here? Do you have any advice? And Brett's response was, send him to us. We'll talk to him. We'll help him. We'll give him a toolkit and help him get started. And I thought, wow, that that's amazing. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, it sounds like you guys are willing to help anybody, even just a person with an idea is that right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, so to have to create the next hundred million dollar company, look at it as just like a sales pipeline. You need a lot going in the top of the funnel. So there's a lot of ideas, a lot of potential entrepreneurs that you need to work with that aren't going to make it to the next stage where they get funding and have a product out there, and a lot of those that aren't going to make it to where it's a successful company. But you've got to work with a lot of people, and those people who are going to learn the foundations of innovation and entrepreneurship that might not be that founder CEO will go and work for those other companies that are going to build it up. And so I think that's a big piece is that just kind of filling up the funnel and then like starting with an idea, it's easy to get kind of lost or not know what to do next. And so we've got kind of a, a system where we work with them on filling out a lean canvas, which is kind of a one-page business plan. And then customer development, can you validate that idea? Is it really solving a problem for customers who would be willing to pay to have that problem solved? And figure out who that niche, the first you know, 500 customers would be. You're not trying to sell it to a million people first, but those, you know, like Facebook is now for everyone, but it started for Harvard students. Like, how are you going to be perfect for that smaller group of people? And I guess the other thing where we talk with people who are kind of at that idea stage is an idea, like any of us could have an idea. It's the execution on that idea that is most important for you actually kind of moving the needle towards success. And it's fun to have an idea. It's a lot of work to build a company. And so to kind of define reality and set expectations for them, but also let them know like that idea, if you just keep it, because people are very, very protective of their idea for the new app or the new, whatever it is, that idea itself isn't going to turn into anything unless you talk to people about it, you know, partnered with Mm. with people, get feedback from customers because you're not hundred percent right with that first idea. You need to iterate. And so people have stolen ideas and, uh, you know, there's plenty of uh, historical lawsuits out there, but it's not as, I think that's a a risk. Talking to people is a risk that entrepreneurs need to take with their idea. Obviously don't do business with people you don't trust, but it's not going to grow into anything if you don't, you know, start talking about the idea and grow. Give you an idea between the Northwest Arkansas team and the Central Arkansas team. We will have 12, we will finish 2018 having had 1,200 of those kinds of conversations, those one on one coaching, consulting, whatever. Sometimes there'll be repeat visitors who will come back multiple times. Sometimes we'll give them some tough homework on the beginning and they'll go away and say, Yeah, I'm not really interested mm-hmm. in too much that. work. Too much work. <laughs> uh, but that's a, that's a rarity. You know, many times they, they come back for more. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Can I have another? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and two, I, I don't feel like I gave a very good answer to your what's our role in the ecosystem and, and thinking about that more. Really, it's a connector. You know, those initial meetings, they'll leave with four different resources that we think they should read or fill out, two different service providers that they should talk to to do their accounting or you know, different aspects that they need. And then three mentors who have been there five years ago and, and understand the path better than we do because they've got some specific knowledge on it. Connecting people with talent, with capital, kind of that role. There's been different partnerships that have come out of people just meeting at an event that we put on. You, you meet the people you didn't know that you needed to know. And I think that, like bringing people together, connecting them is probably the biggest role or biggest um, way that we can move the needle for the entrepreneurial ecosystem and all of those different events and programs and uh, things that we do are kind of filling that. Is that maybe one one of the benefits of shared space and some of these tech parks and whatnot, like yeah. the technology park here in Little Rock? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if collaborate and come creative, up with right? creative collisions, collisions, so to speak. Yeah. You don't anticipate it happening, but mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. Um, so, from a community standpoint, you know, we obviously, as AEDC's, one of our primary goals is to help the local communities grow, and that is to bring in business, industry, higher-paying jobs into all areas of the state. What advice could you give? What direction could you give to communities and how they can become involved in encouraging this sort of growth and activity in their their communities. The first thing that I tell, and and I get the opportunity to to work with communities through either the Community Development Institute at UCA or the Uncommon Communities through Winrock, the Winrock Institute, and I always tell them is number one, start where you are. And that generally means don't go build a building or buy a building because what I have seen in many instances is they say if we just had a place If we just had a place and they go buy a building, they fit out a building, kind of the field of dreams, if we build it, they will come. And then they are so strapped with the overhead of that building that they don't have the bandwidth to go really fill it up with programming. And so the conductor, we started as a movement and we begged, borrowed and stole space. Didn't literally steal, but we begged and borrowed for space. And we still do today. Any event might be in a variety of different places that we have. And the movement grew to the point that Conway Development Corporation, our city utility, or um, came to us and said, we want to provide a space for this. So they have acquired City Hall, which right is downtown Conway. City Hall has outgrown it and is moving to a new building. And, and we're in the process. Actually, I have a meeting today with the architects, second level design to refit that building to turn it into the Arnold Innovation Center named after Richie Arnold, the retired CEO. So start where you are. That's exactly what Conway did is we, we, we didn't know where we were. We formed a little team, started asking questions. We knew we had a lot of gaps, brought in Jeff Amaran and his team to do some assessment of where we are and then come back with some recommendations that were very specific to us. Start where you are, where you are. Don't build a building. Plug into the ecosystem. Reach out to whether it's Innovate Arkansas, Startup Junkie, the conductor, FinTech, VC, Venture Center, rather. Call somebody, call you guys, right? Call somebody in the ecosystem and start making some connections. Those would be the, the biggest mm-hmm. things. Michael, you may have some others. Yeah, I mean, I just tactically start with that cultural piece, the yep. movement. And you can start up Weekend as a program that Techstars puts on where you bring in people. It's not a very costly event, but you bring in people who have an idea and form teams. Everyone pitches an idea right at the beginning of the weekend. You form teams, and then by the end of the weekend, you're pitching a business. And 
in 54 hours, people have actually created businesses. More technology <laughs> are familiar with uh, Canon and Peyton and that team. They formed a new modular robotics company out of the last start or the startup weekend in April, and now they're gearing up for a Kickstarter campaign of raising some capital and building a 3D <laughs> That's print just farm. Crazy, isn't it's, it? <laughs> it's insane. And, and Canon was on our podcast five months ago, and yeah. all of that's outdated now. They've it's incredible what they what they've been able to do and but that's something that's pretty easy it's a weekend you need a space you need people to get together and some resources for them to try and build a, a company yeah T- tiffany henry over at uh, russellville uh, tiffany came to the conductor to one of our idea fame live which mm-hmm. is a pitch competition which is probably the lowest barrier to entry to run a pitch competition mm-hmm. and she came started coming to some of our other conductor events plugged in with kim and me asked us for advice brought us to uh, arkansas she was employed at arkansas tech at the time brought us and we met gave them some thoughts and advice and she just really became the champion. So I guess that's the next thing I would say is start where you are. Don't build a building, plug into the ecosystem and identify a champion. Mm-hmm. She was that champion and uh, started running some events there in Russellville. Mm-hmm. She now has transitioned to be a, becoming a program officer with Winrock Institute. And her role is focused on kind of community entrepreneurial development. So she created kind of a, a space for herself, but uh, mm-hmm. but she was an example of someone who just did those things, plugged into the ecosystem and started championing the cause. Yeah. Idea Fame Live was going to be the other thing that I Sorry, brought up. It's, it's, it's a, no, you're fine. Uh, but that's, I mean, a <laughs> I one bad. night. I feel bad now. Well, you should. Uh, a one night event where you pitch an idea. We can get, you know, 20 to 40 people there to pitch in 60 seconds. And then there's a crowd vote and a, a judge's vote for a thousand dollar check. So that's a good way to get people to come out. If you're really pitching, cool. you're idea, then you're probably going to bring as many people as possible because you want to win the the people's choice, the crowd vote. And so it's a good way to get not only that local champion, but 20 to 40 other people who are pitching to promote an event. You get people together and then you kind of create some of that energy around. And develop some momentum there. Yeah. 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 And then just kind of continue to build. But start small and start with the the people in the community aspect, I think. Sounds like it it turns into almost like a Razorback game or something. Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Woo pig. Right. I'm a South, I'm a Southwest Texas boy. And so like you're talking about building the building. I think that's where we all want to go, right? It's like, let's build a building. We can put a sign on it and it's a park and, we had this saying in Southwest Texas, uh, big hat, no cattle. That's right. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, like you can have, you got a big hat, but that doesn't mean you really have anything That's going there. exactly right. So I think that really resonates with me just because coming from the advertising world, creative world I came from, we used to always say a great idea is a great idea on a napkin. Uh, you don't have to think about throwing a lot of money at things mm-hmm. initially. It's just, if it's a great idea, it's going to, it's going to look good. A team of committed change agents can literally transform the world. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I would give that guidance. If, if there is a champion out there who wants to champion that cause, find two or three or four other people, cast the vision, get them on board and go change your community. And maybe the quote of the podcast. Let me ask both of you, because Michael, you ask a good question of us. What is a memorable story that you could each Jeff and Michael share about your experiences with the conductor and startup junkie? I've got, I've got a couple, but I'll share one with you right quick where I see so many entrepreneurs struggle. And, and Michael talked about customer development and getting out and talking. We had an entrepreneur come to us, mid-30s, very successful person. He said, I've got an idea for an app and it's going to change the world. It's going to be very disruptive. Had it sketched out on a legal pad, very intricate designs. And he was right. I think it was very, very disruptive for the real estate industry. 
He said, I've saved up $10,000 and I just need you to point me to a developer. I went, no, not going to do that until you go talk to some folks. Who Go talk to 100 people whom you think will be prime users of that app. And he did. Uh, or he, he left and came back and um, about, about eight weeks, nine weeks later and said, I need to tell you two things. I didn't talk to 100 people. I talked to 50. And not one of them were willing to pay $1.99 a month for my app. And as a result, it's not going to work. And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, if I had 8,000 downloads at $1.99 a month, I'd be break even. Since not one single person of the, I talked to 50 people, not one single person of the 50 I talked to were willing to pay for it, then I've got to give it away for free so that I can sell advertising. And there's no way that I'll have the advertising budget to get enough downloads to make it marketable for, for advertising. He said, so, so I'm, I'm changing my idea. The second thing I need to tell you is thank you because you saved my life savings. So what would have happened in that instance is he would have gone out, taken his life savings, plunked it into an idea that was doomed to fail from the beginning that he didn't know. And as a result of us really making him do the homework, uh, and it, had that happened, he would go lose that $10,000 and would be burned on being an entrepreneur ever again. Right. And so because he didn't do that, he went out and did the homework. He didn't spend his money on a, on a, on a failed idea. He now has the opportunity to come back and pivot and rethink about that idea or an adaptation of that idea or a different idea. And he still has his nest egg over there for when he does get one where he can get some customer validation. It's a great story. Yeah. Mine's uh, smaller and something happened recently. My friend Omar Kasem, he started both Juice Palm and uh, Conquesos up in Northwest Arkansas, two, two restaurants up there. He reached out as they were opening up their next location of Juice Palm up at the 8th Street Market. And he said, hey, you're going to be there. And I couldn't make it up there. I had family in town. But he's like, oh, man, I was going to give you a shout out. This wouldn't have happened. You know, I, I was right when I told you that when you invited me to this pitch contest at a Young Professional Summit a year and a half ago, that I wasn't going to win because it's a restaurant and I never win at these things. But that's where I met someone who basically was the connection to opening up this new location and one of the most happening places in Bentonville now. And so that, it just kind of demonstrates pretty well like it's hard to measure these things, yeah. but these connections and events and programming culture that we are working to build just kind of gives that framework for those serendipitous moments. Uh, it's like the engineering serendipity, uh, which <laughs> it doesn't work uh, if you think too much into it. But if we can create those environments where you put the right people in the room together, then really great things can happen. And uh, and there's been a number of d- different stories like that, but I think that I always like to give Omar a shout out. And, and both of your stories go <laughs> back to something that you said earlier, Michael, and that is don't be afraid to talk to people because you're going to get insights from your potential user base or you're going to meet somebody who's going to help steer you in a different direction, the right direction. So that's an important uh, takeaway. And I don't want to segue too soon, so so stop me if I do. But one of the next stories that is a little more measurable has to do with the 10X Accelerator that we're running in Conway right now. Actually, they just just graduated uh, Tuesday night, our second cohort, which was uh, done in partnership with the Arkansas Economic Development Commission and the and the accelerator fund that I mentioned a few moments ago. So we had a company there, and, and I think they're going to be one of Arkansas's next great startups called Listing Village. And they are an app for realtors, and you need to check them out. But they will tell you, and, and they did on a podcast recently and shared with us, they have grown their user base over nine and three quarter X, right? So so they are 976% growth since starting the program last March in terms of their user base. Their revenue will catch up to that relatively soon. And so they've not only 10X effectively their user base, they've been accepted into the Y Combinator uh, uh, startup school. 
and are participating in that program as well. And so that's a very measurable example. We have another company who said we've added 20 employees, another company who said we're three months out and we're 2x and we expect to be 3x by the end of the year. And so there are some real measurable examples, and I know that those will come from the fuel accelerator as well. So to go back and tie it back to the partnership with the AEDC, that wouldn't happen without that partnership. Therein lies my point to my 14-year-old daughter, Magdalene, (laughs) that algebra does come into play in your business life. That's exactly right. 10X. Yeah, that's right. There you have it, Magdalene. I just, I, yeah, I had actually an accounting professor, or I think it was an accounting professional that came in and did a talk at the Walton College when I was going to school up there. And he said, you know, who uses algebra every day? And no one raises their hand. And he says, they don't teach you algebra to teach you how to do algebra. They teach you algebra to teach you how to think, where that's the first time that you're really faced with multiple step problem solving. And that's helped me appreciate that, algebra. That's amazing because <laughs> almost verbatim is what I told my Really? Daughter. Yes. <laughs> okay. they, they're not teaching you algebra so that you will utilize algebra. They're teaching you how to learn and think. That's yeah. right. I mean, that, uh, that mm-hmm. is, yeah. So kind of, as we come to a close here, I think we're probably all, you know, about out of ideas. Except for Jeff, I think yeah. he still has some. Well, oh, I Clark, to, wait, Clark. Well, I, Clark has an idea. I have we one represent more idea. three organizations on this mm-hmm. podcast, so I thought it would be helpful for anybody who wants to find out more for us to go around the horn and give out our, our website addresses. Mm-hmm. I'll start. The website address for the Arkansas Economic Development Commission is ArkansasEDC.com. That's ArkansasEDC, like Economic Development Commission.com. Yeah, and Startup Junkie is StartupJunkie.org. And we've mentioned Fuel Accelerator, which is a program funded by the AEDC a couple times. I want to give a quick plug about that. That's FuelAccelerator.com, where we've partnered with RevUnit on a supply chain accelerator that has enterprise partners like Walmart and others that I think will be transformative for North Northwest Arkansas, where we're bringing in different supply chain, innovative supply chain companies that are interested in selling and working with large enterprises. And there's a enterprise ready curriculum for that, as well as a supply chain curriculum. And so more to come on that, but it's been a great partnership with AEDC and just wanted to thank you for that. Absolutely. And ours is uh, arconductor.org, AR as in Arkansas conductor. Org. Access to a number of resources there. Hopefully soon there will be a new application to our second iteration of the 10X mm-hmm. uh, Accelerator. So we're very excited about all of those things we have going on. And as part of this podcast, we are offering a free book written by Jeff Standridge here with us today. <laughs> it's <Wow>. called... <laughs> I'll, I'll get an applause button you at some point on here. It's one of now. several <laughs> books that you've authored, but this one's called The Innovator's Field Guide. Accelerators for Entrepreneurs, Innovators, and Change Agents. And there's a limited supply that we're going to give away for free. Act now. You act now. You can go to ArkansasEDC.com slash innovate. Jeff, why don't you tell us just a little bit about this book? Yeah, absolutely. So in doing the research for the book, I, I learned that the vast majority of books are never read cover to cover. So that you start with them and then you generally uh, fizzle out after about a third to a half, maybe uh, two thirds of the book. And so I wrote this book specifically to address that issue. We talk about accelerators being extended programs that cause entrepreneurs to really rethink their business. And so what I've done with the book is provided 52 accelerators, stimulants, hopefully, that will cause people to rethink their business, their their work situation, their company, uh, et cetera. 
And, you know, you can do one a week for a year, two a week for six months, three a week for four months, or four a week for three months, I guess, right? Uh, but each one has the exact same format. It starts with a kind of a teaser title that you may not really understand what it means. There's a generally a quote that, that unpacks the content a little bit. There's a 350 to 500 word reading that is, in fact, the accelerator. And then there are three or four questions at the end or actions or what have you. And they're all written exactly the same. So for people who think they don't like to read or they don't have time to read, this seems perfect because it's broken up in bite-sized pieces of all these accelerators. The real value of the book is, and this is what I'm being told by people who have, who have bought it, is, that, is they keep it on their nightstand. Uh, and that the real value of the book is in the thinking that it stimulates following the reading of each particular uh, accelerator and the actions that they take as a result of that. I've had public school systems purchase copies for all their administrators. I've had state correctional school districts purchase for theirs. I've had companies buy for their employees. And that's generally the feedback that I get is it's the thinking and the action after each accelerator that's really been transformational for them. So I'm very humbled and honored that you guys would offer it to your listening audience. And I'd love to hear any feedback that folks have. I tell people that if they don't like it, you soak it in kerosene. It makes a great fire starter. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you can go to ArkansasEDC.com slash innovate and there's a limited supply of free copies, but you fill out the form and we will mail you a free copy of Jeff Standridge's book. So be sure to do that. And just thank you guys for being here. I love hearing these stories and love hearing more about what you're doing in the state. And I just want to encourage any of folks out there that are listening that have ideas, don't sit on those ideas. Don't uh, hold it tight in your hand and, you know, hold it with an open hand and and invite some of these folks from Startup Junkie Conductor, uh, other places in the state that may be able to help you up in Northeast Arkansas with the garage and, and such. I mean, just reach out to those folks for the communities. Just want to encourage you guys to continue to to work alongside us as we continue to grow this very important piece of business. Yeah, and I, I want to say I appreciate the partnership that we have with you all. It is vital to our ecosystem mm-hmm. and our clients are the benefactors of that relationship. And a special thanks to Director Preston for the leadership that he provides and to our Governor Hutchison as well. It's really, really refreshing to have folks uh, in leadership roles in the ecosystem who who really understand the impact. Ditto. We also appreciate the partnership. So, and Michael, how do we... Oh, go ahead. Jeff. No, with that, I mean, I'm just saying we've conducted a, a dual... Simulcast. Simulcast. Y'all want me to close it And out we didn't fracture yeah. any... Yeah. I can close it out I was going to ask, how do we close out yeah, this song? I will sing. This has been the Arkansas Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Moore. To learn more, visit our website at arkansasedc.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.